Welcome to the Stetha Show. I'm your host, Gotti, and uh, today we do not have Andrew as a co-host, but we do have a very special guest. Uh, I'd like to welcome Lieutenant John Fazell with us. John, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me tonight. Oh, no problem, man. Uh, feels good to be in this new semester. That's a lie, but please don't tell UKCOM. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. It definitely <laughs> feels that way sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah, I feel like the break wasn't long enough, but, um, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Yep, I think you're right. Back into the thick of it. So we're we're very excited to have John in here today. He's a good friend of ours, good friend of the show. Um, before we get started, I do want to say that even though I, I believe most of us represent uh, the University of Kentucky College of Medicine through their beliefs, uh, we are not affiliated with a school in any formal way, and we do not represent their beliefs and their their opinions. So we'll get that out of the way. So uh, we have John here today because, um, uh, John, you was a Navy pilot. And John, I believe you're still in the reserves, aren't you? All right. Yeah, yeah, I am still actually with the reserves. And, you know, I was on active duty pretty recently, um, you know, as of uh, 2020. You know, I just I just got off and kind of rolled right into medical school. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, that must be <laughs> that must be a little intense because uh even just coming straight out of college, um, I thought this was intense. So maybe it probably feel pretty different from you flying helicopters and all that to just this. Yeah, you know, there are some things that are definitely challenging. And there are some things I think I can even relate to my classmates on in regards to just uh, kind of how much material they throw at you at once. It's a lot. Uh, it's a daunting thing. Um, and, and I'd say one of the biggest challenges for me that's probably unique from an academic standpoint is... Uh, well, I did take some courses more recently. A lot of my coursework was a while ago. Um, so it's uh, one of the nuances that maybe somebody, you know, might have picked up as a biochem major. Mm -hmm. I at times have to kind of think through and maybe take a second look at. But, uh, but by and large, um, you know, just kind of speaking with the other folks in our class, um, I feel like we're all in a pretty similar spot in a lot of ways. M more similar than maybe you might think at first. Yeah. So um, maybe some background to our viewers. Uh, I know a lot of our classmates listen, but uh, our J John here is a uh, father. He has a family and he is um, he just got kind of, kind of out active due with the Navy. You're still in reserves, I think. Um, I, I believe you've told me that. So the reason I invited you on the podcast is because, you know, your story is pretty different from ours. And a, a big part of the podcast is not just talking through medical careers through me and Andrew's standpoint and our co-host because we both went through college or you know as soon as we got to high school then to medical school so we have a pretty like normal traditional route through but uh, a lot of people don't have that experience and a lot of people kind of have to you know they take gap years that's more common and some people like yourself just totally different routes than you usually expect for this sort of thing so I, I, I would feel a disservice to our listeners if we didn't talk about some more uh, non-traditional routes to medical school. Yeah. And, you know, the one way I'd kind of frame it is for a lot of us that have um, had, you know, previous careers, I think a good way to think of it is it's a career change. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we had a, a different junction in our career where maybe we just realized we wanted something different long term. Uh, maybe we uh, found something that was really passionate for Um you know, kind of related to the medical field. And, uh, you know, for me, it was kind of unique. It was more, um, I was at a point where it was either I could continue to stay in active duty service and keep being a pilot or, 
you know, I was at the end of my service commitment that I have to make initially as a pilot um, mm. and go explore a new career. And as I thought about things that I could see myself doing late into my life, you know, the medicine clicked in a lot of ways. So I think there's a great segue. So uh, we had been talking before our recording. So you say you, 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 you came out of high school and you started college first. What did you go to college for? You know, I went to, uh, I'll start by just telling you even where I went to school too, to give some reference. I went to Oberlin College, mm. um, which is a, a small, small school in Northern Ohio. Um, I was an economics and uh, religion major. Uh, in religion, I was modern religious thought. It was like kind of a concentration. Um, and uh, uh, that, that was, you know, I went into it not, uh, not really committed to any specific path at the time. Um, mm. It was kind of how I, how I started off. So you said you uh, majored in religion from Overland. What made you choose religion? Um, you know, when I was taking courses at Overland, um, I started off with econ. Um, I thought it would just be a useful mm. type degree to get, and I didn't really know much about economics at the time. And as I got into it, um, I realized there was uh, it wasn't like getting like a business degree or something like that. It was uh, mm. an interesting field and an interesting study, and kind of realized at that time I should probably explore some other you know, academic pursuits. And uh, at that time, I like took some philosophy courses, and then I took some religion courses, and I really uh, just kind of clicked with me. I took a few, it was actually Islamic courses that I took in Islamic studies initially, and um, there were just a lot of things I found really interesting uh, about mm. religion as a whole. And then as I continued down, uh, modern religious thought was a lot of tie-over with philosophy, um, and it was probably more what some people would kind of think of as a philosophy major almost by the time I was mm-hmm. done. And uh, it was just something that uh, I thought uh, enforced a lot of critical thinking and was something that with whatever field I would go into um, prepare me to do really deep reflection and thought about what I was doing. Hmm. So um, what point did you decide uh, so to go to the Navy? That was a really vivid experience for me, actually. Um, there were two people. I played football in college, and um, Pat Tillman was someone who I had always kind of connected with when I found out about him. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe, I'm trying to remember what year I was when I first uh, read about Pat. I believe it was my junior year in, uh, in college, and my one of my coaches had an article they had us read. Um, and I, I really was just kind of fascinated with him. He just seemed... Uh, so he had principles that uh, he really held high, and I, I had a lot of respect for that. And then um, my senior year in college, I had I decided at that point that I think I wanted to do the armed forces, and I was actually considered doing it as a physician. Um, in addition to doing my uh, econ and religion uh, work, I also completed all my pre-med prereqs. Um, I didn't do like mm-hmm. a chemistry minor, but I um, went ahead and did everything that I needed to, to apply to medical schools. Um, however, when I was... Uh, Driving on a highway in Vermont, uh, we stopped at a, I was with my then girlfriend at the time, we stopped at a restaurant and um, in the restaurant there was an article on the wall about a guy named Michael Murphy. And when I read that, I felt like an extremely deep connection um, to him. And I knew at that point that I wanted to do a more conventional path in the military. Um, So I really focused on applying to... uh, the Navy to go through the SEAL program. And then through a very long process, that was about, uh, it took me about two years to get into the Navy. Um, 
uh, basically knee injury I had playing football in college. I ended up um, stopping my pursuit of doing the SEAL program and doing the pilot program um, hmm. it, as a kind of an alternative way to get into the armed forces since I was having a tough time getting accepted. Hmm. Um, just for our listeners, um, I will say you'd mentioned Pat Tillman and Mike Murphy being uh, some um, role models. Um, th- those stories are really great because I had considered the military when I was in high school. I think I'd realized maybe it wasn't for me. But uh, those stories are worth looking up because those are very selfless men that uh, it's they're good stories. Yeah, I would encourage people to look them up. They're they're an interesting. Uh, they're very interesting people. So you had mentioned that you had took the prereqs for medicine before you had uh, joined. Uh, I didn't know that. So um, did you know that you kind of maybe wanted to be a physician in college? Yeah, you know, I had an interest in it. Um, I was. Uh, I was definitely, you know, kind of thinking that path. My brother was going through medical school at the time. So this would have been 2005 to 2009. Um, mm-hmm. And he finished medical school year, the same year I graduated from undergrad. Um, he was pretty happy with his choice. Uh, so that was, that was definitely, you know, something that I thought about. And um, part of the reason that I did the, the prereqs. Um, I also just like, I mean, you can kind of tell by hearing all the different subjects that I was in, I was kind of just interested in a lot of different studies. Um, mm-hmm. So that I'd say that was another reason that, that that work got done as well too. Okay. So you entered the Navy as a pilot. Um, I think we had talked a little bit before the show. You, you weren't just a pilot. You, you seem to have done a lot of things with the Navy. Why don't you tell us about some of, uh, some of your experiences in service? Yeah, you know, for the, it's really just the first couple of years when you go into the Navy that you just, you're only flying because you're training to become a pilot. And then after that, uh, once you're, you know, uh, a fully qualified aviator and you're allowed to, to take out an aircraft, you actually you have a job that you, you do in addition to that. Typically, that's like a more of a leadership defined uh, position where um, you'll be a division officer uh, for, you know, somewhere between 35 and maybe around 100 sailors. Um, those sailors typically uh, would work in in the maintenance department, and they'd actually be the ones uh, taking care of the aircraft for us. Um, you know, different different type of uh, jobs for different types of sailors, obviously. Um, but I got a chance to do that for for quite some time, and it was really fun to um, work with and lead um, just really motivated people that were uh, came from so many different backgrounds. It's one thing I don't think a lot of people know about the military, but level of diversity is just uh you know across the board it's it's shocking how, how many people there are from different parts of the country you know you'll, you'll find somebody that was from a small town in nebraska that you know never left that town their entire life and then you'll next moment you'll meet somebody from the philippines who um really uh, you know, it, yeah their english is a second language you know it's, it's kind of fascinating uh, to see the gambit of people you get um so that was the, the first thing I kind of did it was more of that leadership role where you, you really get to help young people, you know, with their career goals and their interests. And then uh, after that, I eventually, I think kind of what you were foreshadowing to is I got to do some work with substance abuse with sailors and Marines. And it was, it was really interesting experience as well. Hmm. So um, maybe just for the excitement, uh, uh, you, you were a Navy pilot. Uh, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but. Uh, did you pilot a Blackhawk or a Seahawk? Yeah, you know, it's Seahawk, and it is the okay. exact same thing as the Blackhawk. The only real difference mm-hmm. is um, because our helicopter lands on uh, 
ships. Um, ships, you know, when they're in the water, they go up and down. Uh, you know, they, they call it the pitch roll um, as they kind of bounce in the water. Um, so our landing gear are reinforced so that way we can land onto the deck pretty firmly um, mm. when we're, you know, landing on the on a deck that's doing that. So uh, what kind of missions did you fly? Just because I know maybe some of the viewers um, would think that was pretty cool. Yeah, no, I'm happy to talk about that. We did three main mission sets uh, when, when I was there. Uh, the one that is kind of synonymous with the Blackhawks is, uh, you know, special operations. So we would uh, work with, uh, I, I trained with Navy SEALs uh, fairly often off the coast of San Diego, um, where, you know, they would kind of jump out of the helicopter on a ship where we would uh, kind of hover over top of that ship for them to board it. Um, we'd fly them out into the desert and land in the desert to let them, you know, disembark the aircraft to go to their uh, their eventual targets. Um, so that was one thing that we did. Um, the other, uh, you know, more armed hel helicopter uh, missions that we did um, was kind of twofold. Uh, one's called um, uh, anti-surface warfare, where basically we're out over the over the ocean with a fleet of ships, and uh, we are basically uh, providing support uh, to that fleet against adversary vessels. Uh, we carry a variety of munitions. A uh, quick Google will show you what those are, but I used to instruct in those as well. And then uh, lastly is this uh, close air support, so CAS, and that's where you're providing the same sort of fire support to uh, to troops that are on the ground. And that was more something we just trained towards. Um, but really what I did most of the time was uh, a lot of logistics, which is um, you know moving people to and from those ships out in the Pacific Ocean. Um, and uh, one thing we did was kind of fun too is we would uh, – we would basically bring supplies underneath the aircraft. So you'd have a really long cable going underneath the aircraft that would be carrying a pallet of cargo and we'd fly it from ship to ship, you know, drop it off, go back and pick up another one and do that over and over again. Um, and, uh, you know, as a result, there were a few other mission sets that we did that were kind of related to, you know, carrying things like firefighting. One of those, a couple of my good friends actually did a lot of firefighting in California this last summer. Um, mm. a lot of, uh, um, humanitarian and disaster relief. Uh, I had a lot of really good friends that got to do some awesome things in the Philippines and Houston last year. I believe it was last year that the flooding happened um, in New Orleans. Uh, so there's a lot of cool opportunities uh, to do a lot of different things. Well, yeah, that, that's really nifty. So uh, you mentioned that uh, sort of your secondary job was dealing with sailors with substance abuse. Why don't you tell us some more about that? Yeah, um, it was about 2016 to 2019 that I got a chance to, uh, and at that point, it was also around the time that I had pretty committed towards uh, medicine. Um, but uh, when I was an instructor pilot, just teaching at that point, um, no longer like deploying out into the Pacific Ocean or elsewhere, uh, I got a chance to help sailors that had been identified to have a substance abuse disorder um, or felt that they may have a substance abuse disorder. Um, treatment. And it was a really cool opportunity to work with sailors and healthcare providers and the command as a, a liaison to coordinate all the, all the treatment and the medical support that they would need. Um, and it was a really moving experience for me and, and helped me realize that medicine would be a, a good fit for me long term. Hmm. That's really interesting. So, um, it seems like maybe at that point you were moving more towards uh, looking to come to medical school, and that seemed to help you a lot. 
Yeah, and you know, it was in around 2017 that my daughter was born. I mean, it was 2017. It wasn't around. It was around 2016 that we knew she was on the way. Um, but uh, there is some inherent danger to flying a helicopter. And it was something that mm-hmm. uh, as you kind of start to think about your own mortality and your kids, you know, it's, it, there's a certain level of risk. And I didn't have, I felt, the level of passion for the career at that point that um, – mm-hmm encouraged me to kind of continue down that career. Whereas with medicine, um, provided a lot of stability and a lot of capability for me to help people, which is important to me, um, that it, it was just, it felt like a really natural fit. But yeah, that was right around the time, Scotty, that I, that I made that decision. So, um, you know, like I mentioned, a lot of more traditional is, you know, you go through college, you go to medical school, you had went through college and had pre-med, um, requisites. Did those still carry over? Like, what what was the actual jump from becoming um, a really kind of badass Navy pilot into a a medical student? I kind of chuckle as you say that because that was like a hard thing to figure out, right? Um, What would count? What wouldn't count? What did I need to do? What did I need to retake? Um, You know, what it really came down to was just uh, boots on the ground and doing the research. You know, going on to. Oh, what's the name of the uh, the double AMC product that uh, has all the schools listed, Scotty? I'm forgetting now. Um, oh Lord, I, I don't remember. Yeah, but I think you know what I'm talking about. It's that tool that you can use basically to search at all the schools kind of at once, and went through that, went mm-hmm. school by school, figured out what uh, you know. It was quite a few calls to admissions departments too, just to be like, hey, will this count or will this not count? Um, uh, a lot of explaining and uh, yeah, that was kind of just research what I needed to retake or not. And I actually didn't retake anything. Like I didn't retake OCHEM. What I did do was I took some additional courses because, uh, you know, I didn't really see, I mean, you and I are both in school now. And I, I think we would both probably say that me taking physics in the last year probably wouldn't help too much, but taking, bio, <laughs> taking biochem might. And so I retook, bio, I took biochem for the first time. Um, I did a couple semesters mm. of that. I'm really glad I did because it, it, it helped. Um, so I took some courses that were, uh, you know, still encouraged by medical schools. And most of them accepted my uh, my prereqs. Oh, nice. So, yeah, you say that because I think at the point where you had graduated college, maybe in the mid-2000s, biochemistry was actually being taught in medical school, so they didn't require it at all. And yeah. Then, uh, more towards the late uh, 2010s to, to now, they, they required biochemistry. Yeah, it's because you're right. It definitely was not. I remember, I believe I remember correctly that we, I was originally an undergrad being like, I'll go ahead and do all the medical school requirements. No, there was no requirement to do biochem. So I think you're right on that. So, you know, obviously uh, prior to the application and taking more of some of the prereqs, you'd had a lot of life experiences. How is that different? for you than say maybe me who just came out of high school, you know, did you face any adversity going through those courses compared to maybe some of the younger students? Well, the one thing I was working full time still. So I was, you know, doing the, the counseling that we were talking about. And I was also an instructor pilot, um, you know, it was a full time naval officer and um, I had one child um, already at that point. Um, so I, you know, I had a lot of different irons in the fire and as a result, time management was just kind of critical. So I don't think it was necessarily a disadvantage. It was just more, you know, you really have to 
focus on whatever it is at each each given moment. That being said, now in medical school, you know one thing I find ironic, though, Scotty, is it's hard to stay focused on one subject all day. And that's what's really mm-hmm. required in medical school. You have to treat this like a full-time job. And um, it's harder to focus on academic work all day. Uh, it was easier for me almost when it was just a couple classes at a time, but doing nonstop classwork all day, it's just, you know, it's really, that that's one thing that I find uh, maybe more challenging than somebody that had already been doing full-time school where they were maybe mm-hmm. used to studying as much as we do now. Um, I imagine most of our classmates, uh, I'd be curious to even hear what you think on it, Scotty, but I, I feel like most of our classmates probably are studying more than they did in undergrad. Do you think that's fair? Oh, 100%, John. Yeah. When I was in undergrad, I just came off from like uh, some of that high school. Um, maybe I was a little bit full of myself because in my high school, there were not particularly a lot of people who even applied to colleges, let alone their pretty low test scores. But I was coming off that whole, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm good. And then I'd go through college. My study strategy was pretty bad, but I would, uh, you know, I, I'd do pretty good in my classes. And I came up here and it was like, oh, my God, I have to study. <laughs> and I can't just look at the book like I did in college. So, yeah, I mean, it, it is kind of a lot. Even we just came off our uh, Christmas break and coming yeah, back into know, it. Yeah, what I would say uh, to, to like give some perspective, um, you know, we talked about some of the life experiences I've had. Um, I've had countless evaluations at this point, and some of them are pretty intense. You know, you're flying with a really senior officer. Um, who's evaluating you on your performance. Um, I've done a, these, uh, we call them uh, uh, boards, but um, there's an oral board portion where it's you sitting in front of, um, you know, six career officers that have all been in their career for, um, you know, somewhere between 15 and 20 years. And they're asking you detailed questions on what you would do in any given moment while flying an aircraft in these scenarios that are very challenging obviously really nerve wracking, but you know what? I still get nervous before I test. Like it's, it's a lot in med school. Um, so, uh, regardless of all the life experiences, it's, it's the med school is a real challenge, Uh, not to make anybody too intimidated. That's, you know, listening and thinking about doing med school. I wouldn't discourage anyone, but it's a, you know, it's a real commitment and it's a real challenge. So I think that's funny because I'm sitting here just before tests is a lot of stress I've known, but you've had to, go through trainings like um you've had to have a helicopter flipped underwater you're completely blindfolded and then you have to get out of it and you still get nervous before an exam i yeah, think well, that's for a, the record that'd be uh, that wouldn't be fair because i love the helo dunker um i'm one yeah. of the few people that really enjoys it but uh uh yeah i always think it's fun so um that one would be not not fair but yeah there have been some some definitely tough moments in my career and yeah man i still get nervous I'm already uh, already tense thinking about the boards right now. Yeah, dude. I I don't think anyone likes thinking about USMLE right now. Yeah, yeah. Fortunately, we got some more learning out of us, and uh, uh, yeah, I, I think so far it seems like our our curriculum. Not to tote on UK too much, but I think they do a really good job um, from my perspective. I'm having not taken it yet. I feel like they're preparing us for it, which is which is pretty neat. Yeah, I, I think uh, looking some of the, through some of the board test prep books. They do a pretty good job here at um, making sure that we'll be at least we understand what we're about to get into, which I can't make a comment for any other medical school, but yeah. they do do a good job. So I think um, another question is, you know, you were 
towards San Diego Coronado. And if, if I've heard this rumor right, you came over here to Cincy, Ohio within just a few days of school starting. So what is it like to take uh, an established family like yours and come over to medical school like that? You know? Well, you know, it's a lot of support from your spouse. Uh, that's the biggest thing, you know, a lot of communication with your spouse uh, to make sure that you guys are uh, working as a team. You know, we talk a lot about uh, you know, communication and medicine and teamwork, um, but really that's the ultimate team right there. And you, you have to make sure that you are providing good information to one another about uh, both your feelings and uh, your futures. Um, mm -hmm. So it was, it was tough, but you know, it's, it's doable. You know, it was uh, the way, I mean, logistically, you know, I drove, they, uh, they were able to get on a flight and uh, cause at that time uh, we were for active duty military that's separating you you're allowed to still travel at that time. Um, and still uh, pretty much there's certain reasons you're allowed to travel for. And that was one of them. Um, so that's how we were able to kind of get, um, get across the country. Um, and, uh, it was actually a great trip for me. My dad and I, uh, each took a car and we, when, uh, we went camping throughout the Rocky mountains together, it was really fun, a really nice time to kind of uh, connect with my dad. Um, yeah, you know, the, the real challenge is just kind of uh, like, like you're probably alluding to is this the, the big change for my kids and uh, for my wife. Really fortunate. My wife works in San Diego still for a company uh, in San Diego, and that's worked really well for us. Um, they've been really supportive and uh, she really likes the company. They really like her. It's a, a really nice situation for us. Um, but uh, for the kids, you know, it's a whole new world for them. But fortunately, mine are not too old and they're at a really... Um, uh, kind of malleable situation right now like they're they're very um open to change probably more so than you would see in like your middle school teenage years it's part of the reason i actually wanted to get out of the service at that time is because i didn't want my kids to have to move regularly um but at the time you know they're they're still one in three i've got two birthdays this upcoming week one on one on monday and then one the following the, the sunday after it'll be two and four but uh they were great sports about it and we have family uh, nearby, which is one of the big draws to me uh, about you, uh, Northern Kentucky. And uh, it's been awesome to have that support, too. So uh, I don't know if we established it, but you, you talked about being in Oberlin in Ohio. You're from around this area, aren't you? Yeah, correct. Um, most people know where Oxford is. It's where Miami of Ohio is. I grew up practically on campus, you know, just a few blocks mm -hmm. away from the campus. Uh, and I mean, I was born there and raised there and didn't leave until I went to Oberlin. So um, I, I know, you know, we've had this uh, conversation about spouses in medical school and coming to medical school with my girlfriend has been a little challenging. We've, we've overcome it. So what did your wife think when you said, hey, we're going to move all the way across the country to go to medical school? I, obviously, she probably knew that you had a lot of um, you wanted to go to medical school. What, what was that like? Yeah, she's pretty supportive all in all. She wants me to kind of follow my dreams. It's like I want her to follow hers, uh, you know, whether that's uh, personal or professional. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's a huge change and a big ask of somebody. Uh, for us, the alternative of like, let's say I decided to stay in the service, we were kind of used, we were used to things that maybe your average person wasn't used to. Um, you know, watching our, uh, we've got a friend on deployment right now and missed the birth of his first son. 
Um, one of my best friends missed the birth of his second son. Um, and it's not like they just miss it because they're gone for that day. Uh, one of my friends is coming up currently on deployment on his 10th month, no, ninth month of deployment. Um, hmm. so he, you know, he's been away from him. His son was born in, let's say, September, and he still hasn't met him. I think he's seen him once um, on like a video chat. Uh, you know, there's some real challenges. And if I had stayed in, that sort of stuff would have continued to happen. Um, I, I didn't have to deploy when I had children. I, we deployed while I, we were married, but uh, we didn't have any children yet. And we knew that would be the sort of thing that our kids would grow up with. And, and you know what? A lot of service members make that work really well. Uh, I'm always amazed uh, with the support that families are able to give to their um, loved one that serves. And that's uh, it's a really special thing. Uh, anytime, you know, just as a quick side note, anytime you ever think of veteran on Veterans Day or something like that, uh, if you see the spouse right there, don't don't hesitate. And you know it's the spouse. Uh, don't hesitate to thank them too, because it's a it's a real tough uh, tough life on families sometimes. Hmm. Um, so we we knew when I decided to do medicine. You know, like you hear about how terrible and tough residency is. It is. I, I don't I don't doubt that on me as an individual, but. On my family, it's probably not going to be too much harder than some of the things I would have done in the service on my family, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because working in a hospital, you're still only about two miles away from the hospital. You're not 2,000 yep. miles away from your from your spouse. Yeah. Point. I remember on one deployment, uh, our house got robbed. And, uh, you know, my wife was pretty shook up because somebody had, they had broken into the room right next to our bedroom um and she was in the bedroom asleep but they didn't go in there fortunately but uh i wasn't there and mm-hmm. i wasn't there the next day either and stuff like that you know it's it's tough whereas you know something like that happens and i'm at the hospital i'm gonna be able to get out for a little bit probably and go check on them and make sure mm-hmm. everybody's doing okay and feels okay there's something about that uh proximity that you can't really adjust and even just going home to sleep at your house uh Every night, that's a big difference. Um, might not get to do anything more than just walk in and take a look at my kids and give them a kiss while they're asleep, but it's a lot different than than not being able to do that. Yeah. Um, so uh, obviously, I've met your wife. She's a lovely person, and I I think that that that's a a good thing that she was so willing. Um, and everything's worked out really well. So another question I have um, as we're getting closer to time here is, you know, I. When I was coming through college, uh, a lot of military uh, recruiters came up to pre-med students and I talked about how much military service can be uh, financially good for medical students. Do you receive any type of financial help for the military going through medical school? Well, yeah. Well, you know what I what I have is the GI Bill, Scotty. Um, mm-hmm. So, and that's not something that would be eligible for unless you have already served in the military and you haven't used the military for... Uh, your um your undergrad education for basically so um i mean there's obviously little nuances and there's a couple different special very unique type of programs but generally speaking um the gi bill uh is able to pay for 36 months of education but that's non-continuous so like any any time you're not currently in school like for winter break for instance for us this year that doesn't count towards my my uh my Days or, you know, almost literally days, but that 36 months. So, yeah, I'm able to get uh, tuition uh, 
through that path. But that's again, not as that's not the sort of stuff the recruiters were talking to you about. Hmm. So um, do you plan on maybe returning to some service like through the VA once you finish or would you like to just stay in the public sector? No, I think I could, I would definitely stay to the VA and I'll always do the reserves in some capacity, probably as long as physically I am able to, and they're interested in me sticking around. Um, I really, and by the way, the biggest difference with the reserves is even if I deploy, my family doesn't have to relocate every three years. So we'd likely still be in an area where family is and deployments are tough, but it's a lot easier to manage when you're in a place where, uh, you know, is home for your family. Um, so I'll probably do the reserves in some capacity. I'm very open to the VA. I think right now, like all of us, I'm still kind of working through what I'm going to do. I, I really see myself working with kids. I love kids, uh, not just mine, but I like, I really enjoy working with youth and that's obviously not our veteran, um, population. Uh, they have children, but they're not children. And uh, so it might depend on what sort of specialty I go into for an extent, to an extent. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I really appreciate you coming on for the interview. Uh, our time's getting a little short here, but if you could tell one thing to a student who's, who's again, pretty out of the traditional route, what would you tell that person? How did you get through all this with your family your wife, completely different career as a pilot, you know, what would you tell a person who was looking into medicine who, who maybe has a, a pretty different life compared to some of us in school? Two things I would probably say, because one would be related more towards um, managing it once in med school, and one would be more related towards approaching the transition. Because as you and I both know, it's not like you decide to go to med school one day and you can apply that day. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the application process is um, a bearer unto itself. But uh, what I would say for somebody that's looking that has a non-traditional background is to the best of your ability, try to seek out somebody that has gone to medical school from a different path. Well, I am unique as a Navy pilot um, that has gone to medical school. Um, there are other Navy pilots that have done that. And I got a chance to you know, search them out and talk to them. And that's it. That's a, having a mentor at any point in your career is such a, a good tool um, if you can find a good mentor. So uh, I would always encourage somebody to try to find somebody that's taken a different path and, uh, and get a chance to talk to them and pick their brain. Uh, and I've, I've paid that forward to quite a few uh, service members. I, I've talked to four people through, you know, through the grapevine that heard about me and, um, have been able to give them a lot of good information. Three three people interested in medicine. One one interested in dentistry, but I was still able to give him some tips about just you know transitioning with the military. And then when it comes to uh, once you're in medical school, there, I I spoke about how it's tough to focus all day on one subject, kind of, um, and that is true. It's hard to absorb all the information they said. But from a time management perspective, uh, I think initially. Um, it's just for us that have worked before, it is kind of nice because, um, we're used to working, you know, 40, 50, 60 hours a week on something. Um, it's a different type of, uh, work because we are, um, when you're working in your real career, uh, you're kind of able to have different breaks in your day and you don't have that as much when you're studying all day. But, uh, Mm -hmm. I would say just count on relying on some of that time management skills you've developed in the private sector. And uh, that'll, that'll definitely help too. 
Well, John, buddy, we really appreciate you for uh, coming on the show. It was such a pleasure to have you on. Yeah, it was great talking to you tonight, Scotty. And uh, I look forward to um, if we maybe we'll see each other next week, I think, during the lab. But if we don't, I'm sure we'll see each other on Groovy at least as the exam gets closer. I hope you're uh, I hope both of our first exams go go well. Oh, you know, it will, man. We're going to do fine.